Hey friends, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tori Dealing With, where each episode is short, sweet, and the perfect thing to enjoy in the morning, just like your coffee. Yes, I practice yoga on YouTube, meditate, read self-help books, even have a life coach, but there's always more to learn. That's why I love bringing on guests every once in a while, just so we can collect as much knowledge as possible in every area that we can. And this week, I'm going to be joined by the one and only Kino McGregor. With over 1 million followers on Instagram and 750,000 subscribers on YouTube, Kino has been making the tools of traditional yoga and wellness accessible for all different sizes and shapes and ethnicities and ages. She's also the founder of OmStars, which is the world's first yoga TV channel. On this podcast, not only is she going to be talking about the tangible benefits of yoga, she's also going to be talking about how to translate the wisdom of yoga and the practice into your everyday life. I'm also going to pick her brain about how she balances her successful business while still being a beacon of light. So even if you're not a yogi, this episode will still be extremely powerful and will help you become more mindful. So let's dive right in. Kino, it is an honor to have you on the podcast. So for anyone who may not know you, would you mind just telling us and the listeners just a little bit more about yourself? So I'm Kino McGregor, and thanks so much for having me on this podcast. I have been practicing yoga for close to 25 years and teaching for about 20 years as well. And I have let this path of yoga really become my life. So now I teach about yoga online, in person. I write books about yoga and I, my entire company and everything that I do is all about yoga all the time. And for me, it's really a lifestyle that's built on the spiritual path of awakening so much more than just the stretching that we so often associate with that word yoga. Totally. And I think yoga has become so popular and you can attest to this as well. It's become such a huge thing that, which is a good thing because so many people should dive into it. It's such an amazing practice. I love yoga myself, but I'm definitely not on your level. That's why I'm so happy to have an expert here. <laughs> like, it's just incredible. But I am curious, like, was yoga something that you just stumbled upon or was this something that you knew from a very early age that like, this was your calling and this is what you were meant to do? So I did my first yoga class when I was 19. And if I'm totally honest with you, I didn't like it too much because I was 19 and I had all this energy and enthusiasm. And the class that I did is what's called a traditional Hatha yoga class in the Shivananda style of yoga. And I was really interested in just this up energy kind of really young vibrancy. And I felt it was really too slow for me. At the same time, it left this kind of indelible mark of the spirituality of the tradition. So I went out and I bought all these books about yoga and I started to do you know, just the, just look in the books and kind of, you know, teach myself from the books and learn this traditional Hatha yoga practice. And then when I was 22 years old, I was sitting in the midst of like a major life crisis. I realized that my life had gotten kind of really, really off track emotionally, mentally, even spiritually. And I just felt really lost. And if I look back, I can see that I was going through a period of depression and I remember thinking, I need to get my life back on track. I need to stop this endless partying and stop this, you know, lost searching moments at 6 a.m. from the night before and these sleepless nights. And I need to figure out, you know, what it means to be happy, you know, because I remember feeling miserable in the middle of a dance floor and like hating all the people that was at the party with me and thinking, if I'm not happy in the middle of this happy party, then I'm a real miserable person. I need to get this sorted. And I was walking down the street and I saw this sign that said Ashtanga Yoga 
Tuesday, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. It's the, the times before the yoga was really this popular, you know, more than 20 years ago. So there was no, there was no internet to go look it up on. There was no Instagram to do hashtag Ashtanga. There's no like hashtags that we've been invented yet. So I just walked into class and two hours later, my life changed. You know, at the end of that class, I felt my brain, which was constantly engaged in that just negative inner dialogue, slightly skewing negative, primarily self-directed negativity. It just paused for a moment. And I felt for the first time in my life at home in my own skin. And I didn't know that my life changed that day, but it did. I came back the next Thursday. And to be honest with you, I never really wanted more than a Tuesday, Thursday yoga practice. But very quickly, I, you know... When I moved, I'm from Miami, and when I moved to New York City, also I decided to go to graduate school in this big effort to try to, you know, get my life back on track. I also joined a very traditional yoga practice there. The teacher uh, at the time had, was visiting India to continue his practice with his teacher in a small South Indian city called Mysore. And he just said one day, you know, uh, these these students are going to meet my teacher in India. And at that moment, my heart leapt up and said, I want to go to India. And that was, you know, I just, it was just like, wow. I so I bought my, I was, it was, it was totally, totally crazy. You know, and I, I bought my ticket to go to India within a couple of months of that, of that feeling in my heart, bought the ticket. I went to India for two months. And when I came back from that trip to India, it's not like I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I just wanted to be a yoga student. Mm. So I immediately started making plans. Let me go back to India again. And then my next trip was for six months. And then my next trip was for six months. And then so I just did these periods where I spent, I maxed out my visa in India for as long <laughs> as I possibly could. And then somewhere along the lines, I started teaching. I literally, as you're talking about all this, I'm getting consistent chills. It was like waves of chills. <laughs> chills. You said like a little bit. I got a little bit of chills. Six months, six <laughs> months worth of chills. Six more months. <laughs> like it just kept like hitting me. It just, it, it's incredible to hear your passion and your connection with it. And we're going to dive deeper into that because I really, I want to know later in this episode how to find passion in yoga. And if it came so easily to you, I am curious you know, once we get there about what it means to find that passion, if you, you can't find it mm -hmm. so easily because you can just see for you, you're like a sponge with it. And I think that's so inspiring. But before we get into that, I am really curious. I'm a little bit of a history buff myself and you were talking about the yoga tradition and I know that you're so educated in the practice. Would you mind just explaining to us a little bit about the history of yoga, where it comes from, like what inspired you to continue learning it and learning the culture of the practice? Hmm. So great question. And thanks for bringing up the history of yoga. You know, in our contemporary world, world where we see, you know, just like images of flexible people on social media, we can forget that this is a tradition that comes from India. So yoga is the sort of spiritual heritage of the lineage of teachers and students and practitioners and yogis from in thousands of generations from India. And this knowledge is considered to be the science of self-realization. So everything within the, the umbrella of the word yoga can be considered to be a tool of self-awakening. So whether you're doing the yoga poses, the, the yogic breathing, meditation, yogic concentration, or you're following the moral and ethical principles to align yourself with the yoga lifestyle, this is all designed as a process of spiritual awakening. And it's said that the, in the very, very ancient truths of yoga were revealed by these ancient, what we call spiritual seekers, who were swamis and sadhus and people who lived the life of the renunciates and went into the caves of India and sat there in meditation until in deeper states of meditation, they received this information from the ultimate source, which you know, yoga considers to be a divine source, so that this knowledge is considered to be as ancient as life itself. And that the origin of yoga is, is a divine 
origin and that this knowledge is gifted and revealed like a family heirloom that's passed on from teacher to student, teacher to student, teacher to student. So it is this lineage that can really be traced. So we understand that we stand as yoga practitioners in our current age on the shoulders of thousands of generations of yogis in India who have preserved this knowledge. And what's really cool about the history of yoga is that it was mostly an oral tradition. So all of the texts that we have, like the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which are about 2,000 years old, the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, which is like 500 years old, and we have numerous other texts. These were first learned in Sanskrit as chants that were just like listening and repeat after me, listen, repeat after me. And then that gets passed on teacher to student, teacher to student. And I mean, that, that's just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the, the dedication, the devotion of all those generations who preserve this knowledge. And they say that because of that, it's so potent and powerful. God, it's just so interesting to hear because you could just hear you tapping into that and then hearing about how long people have been tapping into this energy. And it just makes you feel like there is something that they're tapping into. There is this like divine connection that they're harnessing all of this power from that's making people come to yoga as a practice and treat it almost as a religion in a sense. Yeah, I love that, you know, because many people come to, re to come to yoga to rehabilitate their notion of God, their notion of what religion is. Maybe there are many people, you know, myself included, who maybe don't identify with an organized, formalized religion and then come to yoga and they, and they find that first sense of sacredness. They find that first sense of kind of transcendental freedom and true eternal eternal truth. And then it's like, oh, this is my church. God, <laughs> honestly, talking to you, it's already incredible. I like watched all your videos. Like I already told you. And I was like, I can't wait to talk to this woman, but like talking to you, like if you were a lamp in my room, you'd be like a Himalayan seesaw lamp. I feel the good vibes coming off you. So it's amazing. I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity to tap your brain about all of this stuff. And you know, for somebody who's been doing yoga for 25 plus years and who's so drawn to the practice, I'm curious, like what is what do you feel like? And I know there's going to be so many answers to this, but what do you feel like is the most beneficial thing about yoga? Mm. Well, again, there's so many ways that we mm. can move in that direction. But I think the most important thing that's real and tangible for everyone, whether, you, whether you're going to take your first yoga class tomorrow or you've been practicing for 20, 30 years, is that every single time you practice, you feel a little bit better you're a little happier, you're a little more peaceful. And that's a palpable, tangible improvement in the quality of your life. And that that's not measurable by what poses or what asanas you can do or even how long you practice. It's just, even if you spend five minutes on the mat, you get up and your day's that little bit better. Yeah. And I feel that every time I've ever gone to a yoga class, I have always left feeling more connected with myself and then yeah. more connected with that divine. There is something magical about it. And I do find it interesting because there are so many practices out there and I'm interested to get your take on this, that kind of take yoga and they blend it with other styles of, of workouts. You know, we have some yoga classes that are a little bit more hit class and we have some yoga class that are like very meditative where you literally don't move at all. I guess that's mm -hmm. just a meditation class, but I'm curious, like, do you think that all of these blends and this question wasn't even on the interview question. So now, <laughs> now I'm throwing you a curveball, <laughs> but I know that I know you're going to be able to handle it, but I'm, do you think that these blends of yoga keep it true to what it really means? Do you think that yoga is allowed to become all of these different facets that it's turning into? 
So, I mean, that's a good question. And I think it's a worthy endeavor for every sincere student of yoga to answer that question for themselves. Okay. So this is something that is very difficult to tap into in terms of what's, what's useful for, for, for creating that sense of that little bit of good feeling, that little bit of good vibration. And this is something that, you know, if you go to say a yoga, like a yoga sculpt class where they're going to be doing, you know, some body weight training or some like hit training that's involved in that and you feel better after that you know that's good for you continue down that path don't take that away don't let anybody judge you for that that's improving your life you follow that path Mm -hmm. however from my personal perspective i have never done non-traditional yoga i have never done you know like yoga plus fitness i don't have anything against like fitness training i go for walks i even do some handstand training but for me for me for what i know speaks to my heart and soul is that very traditional lineage and so my teachers what my teachers in india would say is that any spiritual practice that is seeking to bring you in tune with yourself any practice where the ultimate goal is stated as that true realization of eternal truth and self, that that can be considered to be yoga. So we look at the intention, we look at the intention and we come back to, am I here to awaken? Because if I'm here to awaken, then I'm doing the work. But if we're not here to awaken and then, you know, we can, we can end up, you know, maybe in, in the interim, again, what feels good can be really, really, really awesome. At some moment when you become a spiritual seeker, then that's when the yoga path deepens for you. Mm-hmm. That's when it begins to be like totally life transformative. When we start asking those deeper questions, when we start feeling that connection to a sense of the divine, at, at that moment, there's some really powerful things that can happen. So you may not know this about me, but I love yoga and I used to go to hot yoga all the time before the pandemic. But once studio shut down, it became really hard for me to mentally connect with the practice because I love doing it with people. So I am curious what resources are out there for people who enjoy doing yoga with a community that can't do it right now because of the pandemic. So this is a really big question for so many yogis out there is how to get that sense of virtual community. So on my online channel, OMSTARS, we offer live classes which are done via Zoom so that you get the feeling of practicing in a community. And before the classes, uh, we always ask everyone, where are you from? So everyone types in and we have people from all over the world, as far away as you know Singapore and Australia and Europe and the Americas and just everywhere. The whole world is online, which is really, really cool. So you get to see all these people in their homes And then there are some of these live classes, particularly if you take the live Ashtanga yoga classes where the teacher is not practicing. So when they come up and they're close to the Zoom and they're scrolling through all of the students and giving the students feedback. So you really get the sense of, oh, my teacher is watching me. So I better, you know, not just uh, go to the bathroom or just stop practicing. Because, you know, you practice by, if you're doing the video by yourself, it's very easy when a phone call comes in to just grab the phone call. But if the teacher is watching you, you go out of the room and you hear your name, you know, where did you go? You're like, oh, I better get back on my mat, <laughs> you know? Totally. Oh my gosh. I'm hundred percent signing up. It's amazing how passionate you are, number one. And also you can see how much it has affected your life. And that brings me to my next question. Like where has there been a time when every little bit of wisdom you learned from yoga has helped you when you least expected it? Oh gosh, I mean, I feel I draw on the wisdom of yoga every single day in every single moment. Mm-hmm. So I think that yoga, the, the, the impact that you experience and the impact that I've experienced on the mat is most applied in my greatest moments of difficulty. You know, when I'm about to repeat that same pattern of argument with my partner and I recognize it. And the reason I can recognize it is because I've been practicing yoga, training my mind, 
So that instead of just reacting, I, I have the technique. You know, now I can pause, feel my body, be aware of the tension, return my awareness to myself instead of immediately reacting and pointing the finger outward. And then I can sit with myself and focus on my breath, be with my body, and become present to the quality of my mind and my emotions. And then somehow maybe not break the cycle in one go, but at least lessen the inertia of it. Mm. It's just those moments when, you know, you, you're, you're about to launch into a war with someone else. You're about to, you know, give your opinion about the, the bank line that's just a little too long or the person who has their mask that's not on correctly or something mm. like that. And then instead of lashing out, I find myself just, okay, I'm going to just feel my breath you know, give the people some space. This is directly, it's not directly impacting me. Let me just come back to myself. So it's just this constant application. We have this concept in yoga, which is called in Sanskrit, Nairantardya, which means without break. Many people hear that and they think, oh, I have to practice 24 seven. No, 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 not yoga asana. But the idea is that you are a yogi, constantly feeling your body, constantly feeling your breath, being constantly being aware of your thoughts without break. That that is actually the full application. And we only use that short time we spend on the mat so we can train for the life discipline of yoga. So for somebody who maybe doesn't know, like the wisdom of yoga, it seems like it's a broad term. It seems like a really mm. big phrase. Like how do we dissect? And from your perspective, what specifically is the wisdom of yoga besides maybe it is just mindfulness or is it more than mindfulness? So that's a great question. And I think that pierces the reason of why people practice yoga, you know? So the, in, in our yoga tradition, we say that there are some different types of knowledge. So there's first, there's devotional knowledge, which you get because you trust the source. So if you read a scripture of any religious uh, tradition, if you believe that because of faith, so it's faith-based knowledge. Also, if you trust the source, like your parents or family member or trusted teacher, then that is, that's a devotional knowledge. Then there's another form of knowledge, which is inference, logic. And these two types of knowledge lead you to the door of what you could call the wisdom of yoga, which is experiential knowledge. That knowledge which you know to be true because you've experienced it in your body, you've tasted it, you've lived it, it's become you. And so when we're talking about this wisdom of yoga, we're talking about the ability to experience truth, ultimate truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of who, what your being is at a core fundamental level, and the truth of the world. So when we touch, as you mentioned before, almost like as though there is a stream of intelligence that runs through every cell of the body, and there's a stream of goodness that runs through the entire universe, and that when we talk about the wisdom of yoga, we're talking about tapping into that in a very real, lived, and experiential way, so that the seeing that you do from that place is rooted in this timeless wisdom, the feeling and embodiment that you have on that level is you know, far beyond the average, ordinary level of perception, and is just so connected with, you know, uh, clarity, peace, love, and, you know, true harmony. I hear this and I feel like I'm at church and not in the way <laughs> where I'm in an organized religion. Like, I feel like this is a, this makes sense for something about this just feels so much more real than somebody saying, oh, believe. And like, I'm not knocking anybody who is religious. Like I have all respects for all religions whatsoever. But for me personally, I'm not somebody who's ever been connected with an organized religion. So like when I, when I hear about yoga and the way you talk about it and the way you talk about source and the mindfulness and everything that comes with it, it really does make me feel like there's something more which is just so mm. powerful. And so when you practice, I, I feel like now I see it a little differently. Like when you watch people practice and they're really in their practice and they're in their zone, they're connecting to source mm -hmm. and connecting with all of that that's going to make them a better person. 
person, which is just so profound. So I can understand why you've made a whole career out of it, which to <laughs> me is totally incredible from one businesswoman to another. I find it in the wellness world and just being able to take your gift and turn it into business, which is like the art of life, making money off of something you love and you care about, which is everyone's goal. Who wouldn't want to live a life like that? But it must be, or I'm curious, is it hard to build a business based around your passion? So in the, in the yoga world, one of the most difficult lines to walk is the line between, you know, for me to be an entrepreneur and to be a yogi. And so to, to marry these two together from a moral and ethical principle is extremely, extremely important because it's not just about the bottom line. It's about doing good in the world and it's about making decisions that are ethically sound moment to moment. So it's not just about what's cute and fun or what's going to get the most bang for the buck. It's about, well, is this an ethical course of action? So for example, on my online platform, OMSTARS, which we've been around now for, for, this is our fourth year going on fifth year. For example, if there's a teacher that I really, really am inspired by and think they could really make a good fit for OMSTARS and I want to bring them onto our channel, but I see that they're affiliated with a competitor, I just won't reach out to them because that's a, a line that I don't feel is ethical mm. to cross. So there are, you know, numerous situations where I feel that I'm walking that line also just within myself and I'm constantly checking my intention. So we have this concept in yoga called Sankalpa, which is intention. So I'm constantly checking my intentions to see if my intention is ever about making money, I try to back away from that. If my intention is about sharing yoga with more people or seeing more good in the world, I go deeper into that. So that's somehow very, very important for me. Um, at the same time, I feel that many people in the yoga world have so much of faith that yoga is so good that they almost don't have the business skills. So I've put in the same sort of discipline that I brought into my physical yoga practice and my daily you know, devotional yoga practice. I put that same sort of a discipline into studying business methodology. So that that's actually helped me, you know, apply the discipline I learned in yoga. Okay, do this. I put in the work. I take it step by step. I don't expect immediate results. I'm willing to be humble and do things I not, don't necessarily like, but just do that little by little. Okay, just focus on the 1% that's positive. Okay, even though it was, you know, negative 5.5%, it's still, you know, just a little bit positive and just kind of keep that constant focus on the slow, steady, humble trajectory of slowly reaching the goals, whatever those goals might be. Yeah. And so I find that that's really, really, really useful to be able to apply that, that disciplined approach to, you know, to business as well. For anybody who's listening that maybe isn't familiar with the practice or hasn't done yoga, it makes me feel like they should start because like that is key. <laughs> it seems like it's key to, to being to helping you grow your business and to being essential to anybody in any field. Because like you said, it's taking that wisdom that comes from yoga and translating it into every area. It's taking that moment to pause, reflect, check your intention, and then progress after that, after you've done so much mindfulness work before you make any decision. And that's mm -hmm. probably why you've been so successful and why you're going to continue to grow, which is amazing to watch. I'm so excited to like follow you on the rest of your journey. Cause I'm like, where the hell is this woman going? Cause this is about to be crazy. <laughs> like even finding out that you were the first yoga TV channel, like how crazy does that feel to say for you? 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's super exciting. And, you know, I think it came from just just different intersections. You know, they say that failure is the mother of success, right? So I had all this kind of unique experience of making videos for some other online channels, while at the same time, um, having a few uh, having a few different failed attempts at making a TV show based on yoga, and the yoga lifestyle. So I pursued a couple of different things. They all you know, they all ended up failing, you know, try to make a, a pilot for a, a series about what, what it means to live the yogi lifestyle, then pitch those ideas to various networks and just have it all just flop in my face. And then, you know, work with other uh, online distributors of yoga and then pitch my ideas of making my videos the way that I want, that I see as true and authentic to yoga and having them all tell me that I'm crazy. And then just really sitting with it and saying, okay, this is like, I sit at this intersection of having the experience in the yoga world and having this interest in bringing that message out there and telling the story that yoga is more than just poses. Mm. So every time I would pitch any of the other distributors about uh, an idea about telling the story of, of off the yoga mat, they just said, you know, it's not like no one will, no one will watch this. It's, there's not, there's not enough drama in it. It's too boring. Mm. So then that's where, you know, like a light bulb went off in my head. And I just thought, well, wow, what if there was like Netflix for yogis where yoga people mm. could come and practice yoga and then study the philosophy of yoga and then have, have real fun, watchable content that tells the story of the yogi life, you know, uh. more than just the classes. And I love that you brought up that line about failure because, oh my gosh, I just pulled this off my bulletin board because I need to read this to you. I got this in a fortune cookie. My Uh sister gave it to me the other day. It says, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Uh Uh-huh. I love that. And that's exactly what it is. It's being like slapped in the face. Like you may not know this about me. I just put out a children's book. We were turned down by four major publishing companies. And within a month we've sold over 3,200 copies. So like on our own, thank you, but self-published, like working on our own. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, it's looking at a failure. It's looking at a TV network that said no to an idea and saying, how am I going to put this out into the world by myself? And look, four years later, you're still Mm -hmm. continuing to grow and spread not only your own success and your own vision, but the word of what has inspired you onto others and watch it transform others' lives. And that's what brings me to my next question and one of my last questions. And I'm so sad I can't keep you here forever. I wish I could. (laughs) But have you ever seen yoga transform someone's life? And if so, what, what did it look like to watch? So I've seen that over and over and over again. I don't think there's anybody out there who is practicing yoga today for more than a year whose life has not been radically and vastly transformed. There are countless stories to tell, myself included. And the one of the one of the, the most inspiring ways to hear those stories is to listen, like listen to students talk about, you know, where I am, listen to teachers talk about what it took to get them from their first class. You know, we see these perfect images of, of, you know, a teacher in a handstand, but we don't see the, you know, 10 years of failure. So actually, uh, when I, when, when I first started doing the podcast that, that I do called Yoga Inspiration, the idea was to tell the story of these trans- transformations that students experience. So there's just so many of them that it would be almost impossible to begin one and another, one and another. But one of the ones that I would potentially like to share is that 
there was a, a an older student that was practicing with me, um, and he started the practice after multiple injuries and was told that he would never walk again and that he just would never really be physical again. And it was a really big, uh, it was just a, a really big kind of sentence for him because he'd been really athletic as a child and was even doing some competitive gymnastics. And then when he got older, after a really bad accident, they told him, you know, you're just never going to be able to walk again because of all of these, you know, multiple fracture injuries. And during his rehabilitation, his physical therapist said, you should start doing yoga. Well, two years after his first yoga class in his 70s, so as a senior citizen, he defied all the odds and was not only walking, but he was doing, you know, one hour yoga classes and not, you know, nothing against yoga for seniors, but this man was doing, you know, like power sweaty yoga for a full hour. And he was really, really able to just fully heal his body. And then he said that in that healing, it brought him into a sense of, you know, like spiritual awakening as well. And he's still practicing to this day and, you know, defied all the, all the odds. And there's just countless stories of this again and again, my husband has a story like that he he fell off of a mountain he was 25 and broke his heels and shattered his tibia plateau and broke numerous bones in his body and they also told him he'd never walk again and you know when he went into his first yoga class and in addition to physical therapy and numerous operations to put the body back together but it was his first yoga class that he felt like okay my body's healing i'm soaking it in and and it, my story of transformation doesn't come from you know the physical injury point for me i look back and i was you know i was 19 when i did my first yoga class i had no prior i had no real like devastating injuries i had some ankle injuries but i didn't have any broken bones or anything like that you know knock on wood but i was really damaged emotionally and mentally and spiritually lost and yoga healed that for me and i feel every student that you ask has a story like that people and every Every teacher has a story like that. And that's really the way that people stay inspired to practice over the course of many years is that it keeps healing and it keeps regenerating. And, and it's the idea that when you tap into like the lineage based forms of yoga, that it's really potent and powerful. So, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, when you, when you just get a, get a small taste of that potent, powerful lineage, it's just like, you, your life changes because it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't, it was like, it's a, it's a, it's a paradigm change in that exact moment. I didn't know I could feel this good. I didn't know that my mind could be this clear. Of course I want to do this again. And then you don't practice for a few days and then you're like, okay, I need, you know, it's not like you're getting a fix, but you're, you know, there's something in your body that's like, I remember that good feeling and it was real. Do you think if I do this every day, I can feel this good every day? And then what happens is over many years, you know, like you, you start at this, this vibration where, okay, you're practicing two times a week and you're feeling good and you get that thought and you do six days a week and then you continue to practice and then it begins to be a part of who you are. And at that moment, you know, you can look back and I can do, I can look back 20 years and I, I, I can't, I, I know that the person that I was 20 years ago can't imagine the person that I am today. Like I know that that's not even possible wow. because the, the, the level of, of, of just change and growth and transformation and what you could call like vibrational shifts are just so profound to the degree that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that, you know, I'm, um, I'm literally transcended parts of myself that, um, you know, are, that, that needed to be kind of, you know, processed and, and healed and, and evolved from. Oh my gosh. I can't say the word chills enough. Literally. <laughs> this is crazy. 
Honestly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Will you mind telling the listeners where they can follow you, how they can support you, what you have coming up next, anything you want to share, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for that. So I'd love everyone who's listening to practice yoga. And if you want to practice with me, if you want to do it for free, you can find my YouTube channel, which is Kino Yoga. If you want to join my online channel called OMSTARS, which is O-M-S-T-A-R-S.com, that's how you can support me directly and see what my vision for that Netflix Yogis is all about. I have a bunch of books, which you can find anywhere that books are sold. And of course, if you find me on social media, I'm pretty responsive. And I just look forward to seeing everyone on the mat someday. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kino. We cannot thank you enough. And it has been a pleasure to have you here. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to everybody who has tuned into this episode. I'm going to leave all of Kino's information in the show notes below. Please follow her. Subscribe to Omstars with me if you're interested. And this week, I'm not going to leave you guys with a song because the episode was so long, but I encourage you to go put on a playlist that makes you feel confident and happy and connect you with your inner self.